and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. I'm Kate Borsay. And I'm Lindsay Hooper. Coming up in the week that completely put our pre-season predictions to shame. Mine more so than anyone else's because I was highly tipping Liverpool, wasn't I? <laughs> what happened? Uh, we've got something to bring you from a huge game. It was one between the top two champions from the divisions last season. We've got Manchester United taking on Arsenal. We'll cover all of that. And Everton's Chloe Kelly speaks to us about those firecracker goals, which leaves her side top of the table. But joining us in the studio today is Rennie Hector, or I get to see face to face. Because I've only actually spoken to you, haven't I? Yes. Over, via the means of audio from France. You heard how bad I was at French, I, I understand. Yes, I remember. Yeah, and I, fact, and I Rene's, heard you... Rene's probably much better at French than you. Probably. Oui, oui. Oui, oui. <laughs> and I just remember how excited you got watching England. And I was bracing myself for, for watching this game with you this evening. You got a little vocal at times, not as bad as when you were supporting your country, I would say. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different, I think, when you're when you're supporting your country to to be in a neutral but there was definitely some points at the end of the game where um, I started to get a, a bit excited just as a football fan I think. And during that summer as well you've moved club mm-hmm. so you're now at Charlton so how's it going there? Yeah it's good obviously we haven't had the um, best start to the season but it's a new group and we're still in the middle of, of trying to gel. I think there was 14 new signings this season so but the girls are really nice. The manager's great. There's a really good feel um, around the club. And I think it's only going to be a matter of time before before that starts to convert into points. And uh, Renee as well is now playing at my local club. So I have to go and see her very soon. Maybe this weekend against Brighton. Um, and also she's got a little taste of how we work together, Lindsay Hooper. Because we have quite an unusual relationship that involves a lot of bickering. Uh, playfully. We, playfully. So. What do you make of the relationship that is Mr. and Mrs. WSL edition? Yeah, so I got a bit of like um, annoying sort of twin sister vibes, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Annoying each other, but... um no, I can tell that it's all good in the hood, really. But it is. Yeah, but you can just tell that, that Kate is super, super duper organised. Yes. And I'm not taking that away from her because we would not be anywhere near where we are without that. But I am a little bit more fly by the seat of your pants sort of person. And if we sort of met in the middle, yes. we'd be okay. We'd be the ideal person, which is probably <laughs> our producer, Abby, yes. isn't it? There she is, is looking the, at us through the glass. Is the meet in the middle between us both. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, we've had our first taste of Monday night football, as we've said. Arsenal showed their class with three victories in just over a week. Manchester United didn't make it easy for them, though it took the Gunners nearly the whole game to break the deadlock. Substitute Daniela van der Donk with the only goal on 89 minutes. United hanging on a bit here. Van der Donk with the turn. And Kim Little. And Daniela van der Donk in! The deadlock is broken. And guess who was there? And don't forget to love this game. <laughs> hey. I recognise that voice anywhere. I love this game. It has to be Patrice Evra. It does. Everyone's favourite. favourite. Apparently he was signing autographs before the game. Uh, Rene, Arsenal applied the pressure in the closing 10 of both halves. Did they turn it on simply only when they needed to? Yeah, it seems a bit like that because um, obviously I've had experience playing against Arsenal and it wasn't the easiest of games. It just seemed that at times they their passing wasn't quite as crisp. They wasn't gelling in the attacking areas. 
and they didn't quite seem to be on the same page and, and Man United were really, really causing them some issues because obviously Arsenal are, are used to probably finding it quite quite easy to break through teams and, and they didn't today. Do you think United were better planned and prepared for this game, almost taking it a bit more seriously if that's not dissing Arsenal too much? They were very organised and I thought that Casey Stoney had set them up perfectly for this match. Um, it, it, there was only a couple of changes. So I think we'd started to see already in the opening weekend what sort of Manchester United we could see. And they've had real st- stiff tests just to open this campaign. I mean, to be playing Arsenal, the current champions, you know, second game in. And I thought that they coped admirably. They needed some good performances. They needed some people to shine. And easily between the sticks, that was Mary Earps. I know that you and I, Renee, had a little bit of a disagreement about this because there was the double save and I felt the second one was better because she had to react so quickly to get up again this was first half double save Miedemar at the net so I'd be bricking it if I was Mary Earps but great save and then she's on the floor and then she gets up by the by the post and it's basically whether you like the skill involved in the first stop or the uh, reaction reflex reaction in the second yeah so I went with the first one because I think it it just probably it needed a bit more sort of agility and you can see she's trying to scurry across to the other side and and you know great agility to be able to to jump and, and save that obviously the the second save is a great save but I think she's already in a great position and all she needs to do is really get back up and stick a leg out but <laughs> not taking anything <laughs> away from it but no. I think it's a, a great reaction but she's already in a great position to make that save I think the first one she had to work a little bit harder I'd try and back myself up by saying that Siobhan Chamberlain and Rachel Finnis-Brown both agreed with my take on it but they're both <laughs> goalkeepers yeah. so they would I well, guess well I must be in the wrong oh, I don't know but <laughs> it was a very very tight angle yeah. um, for that second follow up so if she had have scored it I, it would have been more unusual anyway so I do get what you're saying from that original shot she had the whole net to aim at who else impressed you for United yeah I was really impressed um, with most of the players to be honest they obviously had a great defensive performance so I've got to point out Amy Turner I thought was fantastic at right back and there wasn't much that went past her she was absolutely solid and the two centre-backs as well but what I do like to see is attacking players really having a defensive mindset and I think Jess Sigsworth was outstanding today not just going forward obviously she she created some of United's chances but she was she never let a player run past her she tracked them back all the way the majority of the time that she was on okay well let's get the view from the ground because BBC women's sports reporter Joe Curry was there watching Joe, just a quick observational point to start off with. Your colleague Tom Gary said by his count around 21 written journalists at the game tonight, not including broadcasters. A new era for women's league football, do you think? How did it feel out there? Absolutely. Lee Sports Valley actually has a decent-sized press area and it was pretty much full tonight. I mean, to be fair, it's quite a glamorous tie in the fact it's Manchester United against the defending champions. But if this is a sign for things to come, then I think women's football really has arrived because there was so much press there tonight. It's so encouraging as well because previously, I've been going to these games for probably about 10 years and there's been times when I've been the only person there. So to see a full press box is great, to be honest. Now, I'm envisaging you right now, Joe. You're uh, probably quite cold. You've been waiting around for the post-match <laughs> interviews. Is that right? Yeah, winter has come to Manchester already. <laughs> so uh, what did everybody have to say? Who have you spoken to? So I spoke to Casey Stoney afterwards and understandably she was gutted. You could see it all over her face because for large 
periods of that match, once again, her team went toe-to-toe with one-off, if not the best team in the league. It's similar to the Manchester City, the Manchester Derby. They were very disappointed to walk away from that game with nothing. And again tonight, so to lose 1-0 to a last-minute goal was heartbreaking for them. But there was plenty of encouraging signs for her. I think the main problem is they're just not taking their chances. They're getting chances, not many of them, but they are getting clear-cut chances and they're not scoring. And as she says, as soon as they get a goal, they'll be fine. It's just, when are they going to get that goal? We did have to wait until the last 10 minutes, though. I mean, it wasn't that free-flowing Arsenal display that I think a few of us thought we were going to see tonight. Um, Their third match in eight days, they had the win over West Ham in the opening weekend of WSL, that Champions League victory over Fiorentina. Do Do you see and sense that they maybe have a lot on their plates at the moment? Well, for the first, again, for large parts of that match, it was hard to tell which team were the defending champions and which team has just been promoted into that league. Mm. Arsenal started slowly. As you said, they didn't get into that free-flowing attacking football that we know they can do. Vivian Miedemar was pretty quiet for the first half. And I think some of that can go down to the fact that they were playing in Europe. They were away to Fiorentina last week and they won't have had many days in between before coming up to Manchester. You know, that's the thing with Champions League. They're now playing for four trophies this season. The league the League Cup, the FA Cup and the Champions League. Now, he has got a very, he's got a big squad. He's got a very good squad. But so far, Joe Montemiro hasn't really rotated much. As I say, he only made one change coming into the night and that was dropping Van der Donk and bringing on Jordan Nobbs. So he's sticking with the starting eleven, And I think that's why they actually look quite tired for, for bits of this game. Joe, another notable thing about the game, by far and away the biggest attendance of the weekend, just over two and a half thousand at Lee Sports Village. United's Barmy Army, I'm guessing, make, making themselves heard. Oh, you're telling me. They've got a cracking crowd that turns up here. They're loud, they're in your face, and they let the referee know exactly what they are and aren't happy with. They seem to have a really good core of supporters. And remember, this is only their second season in existence since they restarted their women's team. But to get 2,500 to Lee, which isn't the easiest place to get to, even from the centre of Manchester, the public transport isn't great to get out here. On a coldish Monday night, I think, is a really, really good sign. Whilst they, this is officially their first home game, I think they really see their first home game against Liverpool in a couple of weeks on the 28th. And I think the crowd there will be massive. I think it holds about 12,000. I would be surprised if it wasn't close to capacity for that one. I think it was about time we let Joe get back into the warm there. So Joe Curry from <laughs> You know exactly how that feels. I know, I know. I wanted to talk about Casey Stoney actually whilst we can because there was an interview before the match, Renee, about basically women's commercial deals and how athletes who are better looking, she feels, get more of the commercial deals and that shouldn't be the case. Mm. Interesting point of debate. So as a player right now, do you think that is what happens? Yeah, I think to a degree it is what happens. Obviously, you'd like to think that that the players that get the commercial deals are, you know, the the players that have got the most caps that have obviously based on ability and and talent and stuff like that. But I think it does tend to be um, what is perceived as sort of better looking players that get those commercial deals. So I, I did agree with her. The only thing I thought wasn't really relevant was comparing it to men's football because I, I think I've, I saw on Twitter a few responses and when we were discussing earlier, people saying, well, what about Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Beckham and stuff like that? And obviously they got lots of commercial deals based on their looks. So I don't think that she necessarily needed to compare it to men's football, but I just think just within women's football, 
yes, I think there is a degree of that and and maybe that's something we need to look at and change. But then would you not say that players who are good at talking, a bit like yourself, might mm. get more opportunities, broadcast opportunities, or might get more time in front of the camera? Yeah. So she can start on this road, but I just think, it, for me, it's just not as black and white as how a player looks. Of course, if a player appears to have everything, to have the full picture, you know, she looks good, she plays well, she speaks well, of, you know, of course that player is going to attract attention and if that player is genuinely a great player brilliant Arda Hegerberg would be a great example of that right but that's when that naturally comes to the surface now I know that myself I have overheard a conversation very early on in women's football a few years ago where people were saying we need it was when the Olympics had happened and Jessica Ennis Hill had been the poster girl and they said we need the poster girl of women's football right so it isn't about asking and trying to find that person and trying to shape someone into being that because they maybe tick a few boxes somewhere else. Surely that's because they've come to your attention because they're good enough, first and foremost. Yes, exactly. They would have to be good enough in order to be the poster girl. Otherwise, why are you featuring a very attractive player who may have only made a few appearances from the subs bench? But that's that how, make what happened sense. in tennis for many years when Anna Kornikova had made more money. You were going to just chip in and say Steffi Graf, but she'd made more oh, money no. in commercial deals and she'd never won a, a yeah. grand Slump. But she was expected to, and I think all of that oh, expectation. Her. So Renee's expected to get a goal every week, in co- according to me. Yeah, but at that time, <laughs> she was expected to be a brilliant tennis player, and you could argue that actually she was the architect of her own downfall. I would say it's when it marketers. crossed over into modelling world, and I think it is a dangerous territory. I understand why Casey's concerned about that because you don't want that to be a distraction. Yeah, now I think it is a grey area because I saw. Also in the comments, which is a fair argument, that the the players that are, are getting put up to, you know, take the main pictures and be the poster girls, some people will say, well, obviously they're going to pick attractive, attractive girls to do the modelling, which, you know, kind of makes sense. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I just feel within football, maybe it's because, you know, I love the game so much. I want it to be based on your talent and, and what you stand for in the game. And then if you've got the looks as well, then you're as fine, isn't you? Lo- yeah, exactly. As long as it crosses over, if Ronaldinho can make the commercial deals, as long as we've got the, co- the equivalent in the women's game, that's fine. All right, we can talk about this all day, can't we? But let's move on to our next game. You're listening to the Offside Rule, WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Both Brighton and Chelsea had to wait until the last 10 minutes of their game for any goal action. It ended one all with goals for Aileen Whelan and Chelsea's Adelina Engman. But Lindsay, Chelsea needed stoppage time to get that equaliser and rescue the point to spare their seaside blushes. What went wrong? Well, it's a difficult one to narrow down. But if you take the comparison of this game versus the one last season, it's actually uh, panned out quite similarly for for much of the game, apart from Chelsea ended up winning 4-0, scoring four goals in the final 25 minutes. So if you look at that Arsenal performance we've seen tonight where they kept going, they kept grinding down and then they got the result, that's what happened with Chelsea last year, but it's not happening this year. As it stands, it, it feels they're not as clinical. Maybe they're missing Frank Kirby quite a lot because she's injured at the moment. We saw that wonder goal from Beth England, but it didn't feel like it was getting anywhere near that sort of of chance uh, in this Brighton game. Credit as well to Megan Walsh in the Brighton goal, another goalkeeper who had a brilliant performance, some great saves. Drew Spence really will be kicking herself because she would have hoped to have scored past her, but she was very, very switched on. The positives I would take, I thought that there was some 
good link-up play between Beth England and Erin Cuthbert. You can see that relationship developing as it goes on. And I do wonder, Emma Hayes switching things around a little. I was speaking to you about it, Rennie. I was like, do you think that the players know what their jobs are at the moment? I mean, that, that would be my main question. Yeah, I find it strange that she um, switched the formation because I would have thought that she probably set up for Brighton similarly um, as what she set up for Tottenham. But um, I don't know, it's been a really strange start to the season for Chelsea. To answer your question, I, I don't know if it's a case of the players not knowing what she wants from them because, as we know, they've obviously only made the one signing, so a lot of the personnel is the same. So they should sort of have have an idea of Emma Hayes' philosophy by now. But um, And they should have two or three game plans ready, right? So that if it isn't working for them against a side like Brighton, they can quickly switch it and make a difference. But they didn't seem to have any fresh impetus or any fresh ideas. And I just wonder if playing at Stamford Bridge in the opening match of the season, uh, yeah, that I was a massive wonder. high. Although uh, yeah. if they, they looked brilliant. a bit lethargic. If they then yeah. are on a bit of a come down. Yeah, it's, as I said, it's a really strange start because obviously they didn't do very well in, in pre-season really. And there was a few losses in there, which is unheard mm. of really for Chelsea. They went off to Israel as well, yeah. didn't they? So it's kind of hard to gauge yeah. exactly where they're at from yeah. that trip. 100%. Uh, obviously, I've got experience playing against... Um, Chelsea, I played against them last season where we lost 5-0 um, and the only memories I have playing against Chelsea is that they're completely relentless throughout the whole match they don't give you a second to breathe on the ball they don't give you a second to press them, they move the ball so quick really crisp passes great combinations and really good quality um, but I did watch the match against Spurs and I just felt that they just wasn't on that level at all. Um, is it a fitness thing do you think? Are they not fully fit are they not gelling I mean it's, it's, it's an interesting point why why aren't they clicking and why don't they have that ruthlessness that you were talking I'm about I'm not sure maybe maybe some of the players are still a bit tired from the World Cup obviously they had a lot of uh, a lot of players out there maybe so maybe they they haven't had that time to to mentally switch off and back on again to prepare themselves well for the season. I think the case in point there as well was the Millie Bright performance because if you are firing and you're feeling absolutely on it as a defender, obviously your first and foremost task is to defend and then if you get the chances to attack and go forward. But it seemed like she was doing that and didn't really have the legs for the defending afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's as an onlooker how it looked. So maybe it's trying, if there is a lethargic issue there, if there is something to do with them being a, a little bit more tired compared to potentially this time last season, that they have to reshuffle a little because you yeah. can't go going forward. She went forward a lot. I mean, I, I would actually probably comment more on the attacks that she had than the defending she did. And what's interesting is that at this stage last season, Chelsea weren't convincing at all. They were struggling. And Emma Hayes has openly admitted saying that coming back from maternity leave, she was on the back foot. She was, you know, struggling with a lack of sleep, trying to get the team back together, trying to have, trying to take it all on as um, us women do sometimes, don't we? When we just like, right, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And I can do that. And so but they haven't necessarily got that this season. I do want to talk about Brighton, though, because it took them to score for, for Chelsea to then have to reply and rescue the point. Hope Powell after the game almost baffled again to be earning a point. No after. wonder she's baffled. They had one shot. <laughs> one shot and they scored. One shot on target, I might yeah. say, and one goal. So why? So how did they get it right? Am I probably doing them a disservice to say that sometimes an element of luck comes into it as well? The fact that when you have one shot on target and, and it converts, then... No, I don't think that's doing them a disservice. Um, 
I think, obviously, as I said, with Manchester United and Arsenal, against those teams, you have to convert the chances that you get. And obviously, Brighton were able to do that, but then they were obviously able to defend really well as well. So... You know, that's a, it's a great result for them, isn't it? Well, next up for Chelsea, a Conti Cup game against West Hammer returned to Kings Meadow for the first time this season. And next up for us, there's a surprise name at the top of the table. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition with Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Rene Hector. Uh, next, we move on to a match where you surely will have seen this goal because it went viral on social media. Confidence surging through their veins. Kelly has another go. Oh, my goodness gracious me. Wow. Twice in as many minutes from Chloe Kelly. Chloe Kelly scoring twice, her second one, an absolute rocket <laughs> on cue. Um, and that was Everton 2, Bristol nil, attended by 441, one of the lower attendances of the weekend, but certainly full of action. They they did such a good job, Everton, in this game. And I, and I wanted to just say that I will hold my hands up. I didn't think that they'd do as well as they're doing. Did you? No, no not at all, really, obviously. Last season, they were towards the bottom of the table. And yeah, credit to them. They've obviously, in the in the couple of matches that they've had, they've, they've got their game plan right. Obviously, they trust in, in the manager and trust in what he's trying to get them to do and it's paid off. And actually speaking about the manager, for me, he's the difference. If you look at where Everton were this time last season, there were some horrible headlines coming out of the club. I mean, it really was not, you know, when you consider Everton's rich history. And I remember going to report on them and their players when Tony Duggan was there. Like, how many years ago was that? Probably a decade or so ago. You know, fortunes had really changed for them. And it seems that Willie Kirk is what they've really needed. And important for Willie Kirk that uh, his Everton side faced Bristol City. Of course, he was manager there um, for quite a while, wasn't he, between 2015 and 2018. And I think for Everton, they've got this chance to build on that 1-0 opening season win against Birmingham City. It's the first, it was the first time that Everton won on the opening day of a season since the Women's Super League began in 2010. And it's almost like, well, we've done that and there's no stopping us now. I don't think we can move past the actual goals themselves. And we're lucky enough to be able to speak to the goal scorer because I caught up with Chloe Kelly earlier on today. Chloe, thank you very much for joining us. Only one place to start with those couple of goals you scored and it could have even been a hat-trick as well. Oh yeah, great. It was once I hit my first one, I had a bit of confidence going into the second. As soon as I got the ball at my feet, I knew as I struck, struck the ball that it was going in. Sometimes when in training, if it, as soon as it leaves your foot, sometimes you know that it's going in and yeah, it was close to getting the hat-trick, but the three points is all that matters. I know it's early in the season, but already, could we say that that's a goal of the season contender? Oh, yeah, hopefully. I think it was, yeah, a great finish and, yeah, one to be proud of, really. And hopefully, yeah, it's up there with one of the best strikes that I've had in my career. I've always wanted to know as well, from a striker's point of view, when you wake up that morning, do you feel like you're going to have one of those performances where everything goes your way? Yeah, um, I think sometimes you just visualise yourself in a game and, yeah, um, if you think positive, I think some, most of the time your performance is positive. I said before the game, I had a weird visualization that I was going, like I was going to score a good goal. It weren't just I visualized scoring a goal. It was I visualized scoring a good goal, and yeah, I did that. And yeah, it was quite weird for me because I visualized it on the way to the game. So yeah. 
And of course, goals come from confidence. It feels like there's a confidence around the club at the moment, Chloe. Has Willie Kirk been doing anything in particular? Because it was a, a good pre-season as well. Yeah, I think the confidence is uh, flourishing through the team at the moment. Um, everyone's on the high, um, all 20 players. And I think that's a great thing to have at the moment. At Everton, it's a great environment to be in and everyone's really enjoying their time at Everton. Um, I think as soon as Willie came in, we knew that he want, what he wanted to do and wanted to be a, a team that plays football, uh, good football. And in pre-season, we had good performances and good um, results against great teams, really. And I think just we had a great team bonding camp um, in pre-season and the team got together well. And we've, yeah, we, we stick together well and there's some good performances coming out of us. Do you also feel that you've got the backing of the club as a whole at the moment? Because with the move on the horizon, you must feel like that's helping team spirit. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the new home going to Wharton Hall Stadium um, will be great for us as a whole, as a club. And changing as the names to Everton Women, I think, yeah, the backing of the club's massive at the moment. And Everton's a great place to be at the moment. I think everyone's really enjoying it. Be honest as well, a lot of people were writing you off pre-season. Did you pay much attention to that? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I think we like being the underdogs, really. I think going into games when teams don't think you don't really um, have confidence in you. I think we have the confidence in ourselves. So that's what it's about, really. Blocking out the outside and just knowing what we've got on the inside of that circle. And that's all that matters, really, not what the outsides are doing. It's clear to see that you have got ambitions in the WSL this season and certainly wanting to survive is top of that. But how about in the Cups? Yeah, um, I think we as a club just want to finish high up, high up the table as we can, get as many points on that table as we can. And we try to do that each week. And club competitions, I think everyone wants to get to Wembley and that's what we want to do. I think we set our goals to get in there and cup finals is where we want to be. It's a club with massive ambition and I think Willie really has drilled that into us this pre-season. We want to get to cup finals and we want to finish high up the table as possible. Two goals in three minutes, eh? Everton's goal scorer Chloe Kelly there. Next, we move on to another match. Uh, Pauline Bremer's brace against Reading means that su that's successive wins for Manchester City uh, to start this WSL campaign. Reading keeper Grace Maloney made several saves. She kept Reading in it, but the side really did struggle with the pressure that they endured from City in their own box. Uh, they do need to be much tighter, you'd say, Kelly Chambers' team against tougher opposition. Um, so a really good result for City. Kate, I, I guess just only a few days after Champions League action in Switzerland. Uh, is this an early indication? of the depth that Nick Cushing has, uh, has at his disposal? I think so. And it's also about confidence as well for them. And, and of course, he does. If, you, if we were to look at every WSL team, would we get most excited about the personnel at Manchester City? Player for player, we probably would right now, wouldn't we? Certainly in terms of the amount of quality that he's got there. And Reading not up to their best. They're going to be annoyed about this game. The first goal um, from Bremer was absolute class. The second goal was really sloppy from um, the Reading keeper, although Grace Maloney, as you said, had made loads of great saves up to that point. Um, Maloney ended up fumbling it into the net for that uh, for that second goal from Pauline um, Bremer. It's interesting because at the end of the game, Reading manager Kelly Chambers said that 
her side weren't brave enough. They didn't uh, get a chance to play their preferred possession style of football. So she was really, really frustrated. You and know what I hear when I when I hear you say that when you you say about Kelly's post match comments not being brave enough. Does that translate to show them too much respect? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think. If you're already and you're you're an established WSL team, you know they're they're normally around mid table. They can definitely compete with those teams at the top, and I think to a degree you have to you have to plan for the opposition you're up against. So you know if you're playing against the Manchester City, you're not going to have the ball for the mid, for a lot of the time, and you're not going to be able to to play your possession based football. When you get the ball, then great, that's fine. But it's a case of stopping them to start with and disrupting their rhythm first. And then you can get hold of the ball and get a bit more confidence. And I think that's so key when you're playing against the top teams in the divi- in the division. You have to disrupt their rhythm. I think it's all well and good going in with your own game plan, but you need the ball to execute yeah. it. And I think the more that the top teams, you know, that they get they start to get into a lot of possession and and they're able to keep the ball and get in their flow. It only makes them more confident and then it makes it more difficult for you to... it makes the opposition to, really frustrated yeah. and so you're then automatically kicking back against that. Yeah, and I mean, you've seen Nick Cushing change formations, but at least test him, at least try and get him to do something different and have to make those changes or potentially make a substitute because you're asking more questions. I, I do agree. I, I did feel like that it did stink of that a little bit, that there was just that little bit too much respect shown to them. And of course, Manchester City have been around for a long time. They've been harnessing all these fantastic players who we admire. And and that must mentally, does it soak in somewhere? Yeah, maybe. But then you need to look at the, the game tonight, Manchester United and Arsenal. You, you could have said it would have been a similar thing. But I think... The difference was that Manchester United didn't give Arsenal that respect. You know, they, as we said, they went toe to toe with them. They could have actually gone ahead. And I think, as much as we can say that Arsenal, you know, didn't play their free flowing football, I think a lot of that was down to Man United disrupting their rhythm, as yes. I said. And I think that's probably something that Reading needed to adopt playing against Manchester City. You disrupt their rhythm, you get the ball back and then you'll create chances because then they'll end up making mistakes. Well, another question that needs answering is who designed that kit? (laughs) Gosh. Um, I, yeah. I, I feel like I need to cover my eyes partway through. It's it's like an E-numbered full ice pop that's gone a bit wrong. That kind of yellow and orange. Maybe it's a tactical thing to put the opposition off. I need a pair of shades playing them, mm. to be honest. This this dazzling day glow. I think number. I definitely know where they were, where the opposition <laughs> are. Oh, there they are. Um, well, City have a week-long break now between games. They next host Leicester in the Continental Cup group stage. That's on Sunday the 22nd. Uh, and then, of course, they're back in Champions League action, hosting Lugano at the Academy Stadium. Uh, it's a round of 32. Second leg, they take a 7-1 yes. advantage from the away tie in Switzerland. So they wouldn't panic too much, I wouldn't have thought, would they? Let's move on to Tottenham then. Spurs' first home game of the season was played in front of just under a 1,000. Rachel Furness's first goal for the club, the difference here. A penalty tucked away just before the break. Lindsay, only Spurs' second game as a full-time team. First three points after they gave a good account of themselves against Chelsea, didn't they, at Stamford Bridge on the opening weekend? 
Yeah, and a little bit like what you were saying, you all know this, Rene, um, you've, you're adjusting to a lot of different people around you and I think Spurs have had to do the same but they've done it pretty well. The thing that's impressed me the most is how many shots they're creating. So they had 17 shots compared to just four for Liverpool and I didn't think that I'd see them creating as much as that. I thought that they'd be playing more of a contained game, trying to just minimise the efforts of the other team because that's what you expect from someone who's just newly promoted is mm-hmm. that they're going to feel their feet. But also those signings, Gemma Davison and um, Rachel Furness, so key for them. Um, certainly at the start of the season, I raised my query last week about how their fitness is going to be throughout the season, but they are key. On the other side, Liverpool's Neve Fahey was sent off for a foul on Rosella Ayan, who was through on goal after 64 minutes. And after the game, Liverpool manager Vicky Jepsen said she didn't dispute the red card or the penalty, but said the pen should never have been awarded in the first place. Break that one down, Lindsay. Well, the reason she said that she didn't dispute because anybody who saw that penalty will be going well that was a penalty all day long yes she admits that too but what she's saying is that in the lead up to that that there was a foul that should have been pulled up earlier and then that made her come out to actually just query the standard as a whole of refereeing in WSL at the moment and this has been an ongoing debate we've heard it from several different quarters several different journalists have also been talking about it um, and good to get your thoughts because you're you're playing you've been there and you've you've seen what the quality's been like I mean has it improved or are we still where we were? I think uh, the standard of refereeing I think as a whole within women's football there have been big question marks around over the past couple years One thing I would say is that this year I do think that they're really taking it seriously because I know that a lot of feedback went back to the FA about the standard of refereeing. Last Um, season? Yeah, in in women's football. And I think that they've they've started to take that seriously. So, for example, we at Charlton at training the other week, we had a referee come down and actually do a workshop with us and he explained um, all of the new changes that were happening, what's going to be happening in terms of referees getting assessed, in terms of the match reports going back and them actually, you know, taking the time to look at them and and put referees through more workshops and stuff like that. So I think all we can do is praise the fact that they, you know, they've listened and and they're starting to take action. But refereeing is a tough job and and they're not always going to get it right. And yes, Would you ever be a referee? uh, I'm actually a qualified referee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But... um, But um, I sort of went more down the coaching route. I have to admit, I'd be the first player on the pitch to to be whinging at the referee referee when they've made a wrong decision. But um, I think if I was in their position, would I get all the decisions right? Absolutely not. I just wouldn't. So it's it's a tough one. It's a bit of a sticky one for me because I almost feel like Vicky Jepsen is sort of um, having a go at the lowest common denominator. A little bit is that, you know, she's obviously frustrated about the results. She's probably frustrated with where Liverpool are mm. because they're winless, pointless so far this pointless so far this season. They aren't pointless, but they have no points. It just felt a little bit to me like, oh, come on, l- let's not go down that road again. But if if it's a fair point, then it's a fair point. And just to round this up, uh, first three points as well for West Ham. Uh, they got a first win at Rush Green with a goal from Adriana Leon in the first half. That was against a Birmingham side who are currently winless and they don't have any goals either. Before we go, let's talk Champions League and the suggestion that from 2021-22 season... 
three teams will go through from the WSL Linz. Well, that can only be a good thing. I'm sure you'll agree. At the moment, it isn't exactly clear whether that's going to be two from the league and potentially the FA Cup winner or a cup winner or whether that will be the, the top three in the league structure. But either way it happens, that's that's got to be good for women's football. Yeah, it's fantastic. And obviously in the Champions League, we know that um, Leon have, have dominated, to be honest. So you haven't really you know, seen much of the English teams. We None of them have reached a final yet. So, Although Chelsea arguably got within a nugget or two, didn't yes. they, before Leon completely obliterated yes. them on the second leg. But there we go. But yeah, I agree. Let's throw more at Leon, basically. Yes, exactly. And the more, more teams that are in it, the more chance we've got to <laughs> exactly. get into the final. So. <laughs> um, well, uh, both Manchester City and Arsenal, as we've mentioned earlier, were in action. Let's just round that up by saying City 7-1 thrashing of Swiss side Lugano. Five goals in the final 25 minutes uh, for City. Um, that game, uh, notable, not for a great reason, actually. Georgia Stanway out for six weeks uh, with a hamstring injury. So she'll be out of action for a little while. And Arsenal recording a 4-0 win against Fiorentina, who were runners-up in the Serie A feminine, um, the Italian Women's League last season. That saw Miedema return after injury, so she didn't get any goals um, against Manchester United, but she got two goals midweek, and she also set up Kim Little as well. Well, next weekend, there are no WSL matches. Instead, it's the start of the Continental Cup. Lots of games to cover with 23 teams in the competition. Rene, your Charlton are in the same group as Arsenal, Brighton, <laughs> Bristol, London City, <laughs> Lionesses and London Bees. Why are you laughing, Lindsay Hooper? Oh, I think it was the widening of the eyes at the word Arsenal there from <laughs> Rene. Uh, Brighton first up at home, though. How are you feeling about that one? Yeah, well, I'm feeling pretty confident. and um, We played Brighton in, in pre-season. And it was really close. It was only only a matter of one goal in it. So we know that definitely we're we're almost there in in terms of the level. So I definitely think we can give a good account of ourselves against them and, and hopefully maybe even nick a result. Well, if you want to get down to the Oakwood uh, to see Renee and Charlton in action, it'll set you back £7 for adults and £5 for concessions. If you live in South London, there's no excuse. It's really easy to get to. You can drive there. I am pledging to see you very, very soon. I need, need, I need to get down there this season. Well, because of that pledge, uh, we'll be back with a lowdown from that match, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, though, you can catch us on Thursdays with our Offside Rule week weekly show we're at offside rule pod on twitter and instagram and to read more from our team you can head to our website as well offside please give us a rating and a review renee what would your review say of the wsl <laughs> edition show absolutely five out of five stars and rocket. rocket you have to mention rocket. the renee hector rocket in rocket there as well the show. <laughs> <laughs> and those reviews the way that more people can find out about us which we love uh, Renee, great to see you again and uh, good luck for the weekend. Thank yes, you. good luck. And if you, when you come up against Arsenal, I'll be rooting for you, I promise. Thank you. Uh, listeners, thank you very much and we'll speak to you again next week. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. <laughs>